Hi, friends. In this episode of Your PA Mentor with Sam and Aaron, we are talking about every healthcare provider's biggest fear, lawsuits. We'll go over how to avoid getting sued in the first place, how to deal with it if it happens, and how to avoid practicing defensive medicine. Welcome to your PA Mentor Podcast. I'm Sam Ngo, your host and fellow PA, and I'm here to help you navigate your way to a fulfilling PA career. At 26 years old, I landed my dream job as a brand new graduate right out of PA school without even realizing it, all because I had an incredible mentor who guided me through my first year as a clinician. My mentor completely changed my life and how I practice medicine. He didn't just teach me clinical medicine. He taught me how to love the art of medicine, how to develop work-life balance, how to avoid burnout, and most importantly, how to truly love and continue to love my profession. Because of him, I am the confident PA that I am today. And that is why I have made it my mission to help PA students and new grads navigate through the PA profession with advice, strategy, and tools to find your way to a fulfilling career as a PA. And with that said, my friends, it is now time to dive into today's episode. Hi, Anne. Hi, Sammy. Before we get started, I just want to give a big shout out to all of our listeners. You guys have been amazing. Clap, clap. What up? (laughs) And Aaron and I have been so overwhelmed with how supportive you have all been. We literally started knowing nothing about the world of podcasts. And even though we still... (laughs) Don't really know anything we about it. We still know nothing about it, you guys. Yeah, we have had an amazing time. Yeah, it has been so much fun. I never thought we would have had such a great response. I know you all tune in for Sammy, um, but I also like to think that I'm part of the reason now. And it's been really <laughs> fun are. to read your comments about both of us. And we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who took time out of their busy day to comment and rate our podcast. This podcast started out as a passion project, and I feel like it means so much more to me now than when we first started. I agree. And we have been hearing back from all of you who took the time to complete the surveys. We got so many surveys, guys. Yeah, thank you. way more than we expected. The answers from them have pretty much confirmed that there is a definite need for what we're doing. And I got to say, it feels really good to be able to reach out to so many PAs using this platform. Even though we don't know you all individually, it really feels like we're connecting and I love it. Yes. So our main goal with this has been to offer a way for new and soon-to-be new grads to feel empowered and to feel ready to start practicing. Yeah. And one of the biggest fears we have consistently heard about from new grads is malpractice and lawsuits. And the other biggest fear we hear about is hurting someone or harming someone unintentionally. And we both know that making a mistake in medicine is something that keeps providers up at night. You can't expect to be a good provider if you don't care about your patients. So it makes sense that this is something we worry about. But if you worry so much about making mistakes or become so worried about making patients happy that you start practicing defensive medicine, you won't be doing any favors for you or your patients. Sammy, maybe we should explain what defensive medicine is. Okay, quick survey. Do you see the words chest pain? as a chief complaint and immediately start ordering CBC, chem, troponin, BMP, <laughs> chest x-ray, EKG, IV line, and a cardiology consult even before setting eyes on your patient? No. No, good. <laughs> Do you diagnose a virus but still prescribe antibiotics because you're tired of explaining why antibiotics aren't needed? No. Do you order an MRI for the first time you see somebody with chronic back pain? 
Absolutely not. Thank you. Do you <laughs> send a patient to a specialist after one mildly abnormal lab? Heavens no. Sorry. But if you said yes to any of those questions, you practice defensive medicine. Or what we call CYA medicine. Cover your ass. And it is one of my biggest annoyances in medicine when I see it. And we really need to do a better job of calling it out in our colleagues and calling it out in ourselves if you catch yourself falling into the trap of defensive medicine. Yeah. Actually, in my clinic, we have a few providers that do that all the time. And Mm -hmm. one of the doctors, Mm -hmm. I applaud him for being so brave. He sat down with one of our other providers that did it and said, hey, dude, you can't do this. Go see your patient. Yeah, stop doing this. And I wanted to say something about it, but I didn't have the courage to do it because I didn't want to be confrontational. But I I think from now on, I'm going to start talking about it because it is just unacceptable. It is. It's unacceptable. Yeah. Practicing defensive medicine is lazy. It means you don't want to take time to hear or listen to your patients to find out what they're really trying to say. You don't want to take time to explain to your patients why watchful waiting is not the same as doing nothing. Exactly. It is one of the reasons why medical costs are so high and so much money is wasted on following up on incidental non-clinically relevant findings. And it's a huge suck on resources. Sammy, you mentioned in one of our earlier episodes that when you first started, your supervising physician sat down with you and a lawyer to talk about lawsuits and what to expect or what happens when you get sued. We've all been dying to hear about it. Tell us what happened. Yeah. On my very first day as a PA, my supervising doctor sat me down and told me all the ways a lawyer will sue me. It was a very eye-opening conversation. I just did not expect all of this information thrown at me all at once on my very first day on the job. That's so intense. It is. I was shaking going like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like, do I bad. really want to work here? <laughs> yeah. Like, who tells you that the first day? Like, oh, you'll get sued, you know? So this is what he told me. Okay. He said, Sam, one day you're going to be sitting in a park on a beautiful sunny day with your husband and kids and a stranger is going to come up to you and serve you a subpoena. And in that very moment, your entire life will change. You'll replay every encounter with that patient a 100,000 times in your head. Mm -hmm. You'll question every clinical medical decision that you've ever made, and you would wonder why someone would sue you. You'll question yourself as a provider, and all of a sudden, it will change the way you practice medicine. I'm here to tell you, don't be afraid to fuck up. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to get sued. You will get sued. It'll happen to you, whether you're right or wrong, you will get sued. And the minute you accept that, you will be a much better clinician for it. It's so true. And did he tell you about why people sue? Yes. People don't sue because they didn't get an antibiotic for a cold or because they didn't get an MRI after having back pain for two weeks. They sue because they didn't like the person who treated them. And usually part of their complaint is they felt that their questions or concerns weren't being heard. Did you know that 80% of the time people sue is because They just didn't like the provider, Mm -hmm. either because they felt rushed or talked down to or just treated poorly. Yep. And most people don't sue until one or two years after the incident. Usually it's because they've had a negative outcome and now they have a chronic depression or chronic pain or anxiety or because they've been sitting around being mad about it and they're urged by their family and sometimes even their therapist to take action and to sue. Yes. That doesn't mean you won't get sued if you're super nice to everyone, but it's less likely to happen. 
family practice providers are less likely to get sued because patients feel that they have a rapport with them. It's not because they're less likely to make a mistake or miss a diagnosis. Yep. And when you make a mistake, which you no doubt will, because we are all human, tell someone. Don't keep it quiet. Don't try to cover it up. Tell your supervising provider and then call the patient. Don't be afraid to tell them you made a mistake and you feel terribly about it. And this is what we're going to do to fix it. This happened to me, actually, in my previous job in San Francisco in primary care. I saw a lady that had some abdominal pain and I missed appendicitis. She ended up going to the hospital, got emergency surgery, and she was so upset. She went and spoke to one of my supervising there and pretty much just said, hey, your PA missed appendicitis and I feel like shit. And my supervising sat me down, talked to me about it. I called the patient and we discussed it. All she wanted to hear from me was saying, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. This won't happen again. I'll take this as a teaching moment. And I really learned something from this experience. It's true. And after that, she was completely fine. She wasn't mad. She wasn't upset because I owned my shit. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like most people, they don't get upset when a mistake is made right? Mm -hmm. They get upset when it's not acknowledged, when they're not, there's no apologize, or there's no plan to fix or to rectify the situation, Mm -hmm. or a plan to make sure it doesn't happen again. Most people won't sue because something bad happened. They'll sue when they feel like nobody cared that it happened. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So own your shit. Yes. Nothing worse than someone who refuses to acknowledge a mistake. And not only that, but it will eventually catch up to you. And it's so much worse when that happens. One of the ways that you can kind of avoid not owning your shit is most organizations have a reporting system in place. And you can do it for near misses and you can do it for actual errors. The purpose isn't to get you in trouble, but it's to make sure that there aren't flaws in the system that contributed to the error versus like a human error that... exactly contributed to the mistake. And if it was a human error, is there some sort of fail-safe that can be implemented within the system to prevent that mistake from happening again? Most of the time, it's just for informational purposes only. There's no disciplinary action, unless it's something super egregious like outright negligence, faking documentation, (laughs) or God forbid, stealing medications. Hey, you laugh, but it happens. I had a pharmacist steal like four bottles of narcotics when I was working at CVS Pharmacy. I'm not even kidding. But don't do that, guys. Don't do that, I don't recommend it. (laughs) If you work in surgery or the ER, you're probably wondering, how do I build rapport with my Mm -hmm. patients so quickly so that they're less likely to sue me? And it's pretty simple, you guys. And it's not hard. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It's really easy. Number one, walk all the way into the room. Mm -hmm. Don't just stand at the doorway. And then... Sit down. <laughs> Don't yes, stay standing. That's so important. Yes. Don't stand at the foot of the bed and stare down at your patient. Sit down. Introduce yourself. Shake the patient's hand. Ask who's in the room with them. Introduce yourself to their spouse or whoever they brought with them into the room. And then listen to the patient. Don't be condescending. Make sure that you meet them where they're at. And that means not using fancy medical terms or abbreviations and things that they won't understand. And then always, 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 before you leave, make sure to ask if they have any questions or concerns. 
Yes. And it's also really important to look them in the eye when you're speaking to them. Mm-hmm. Nonverbal communication is so important. Don't just be typing on your computer or writing notes down. Look at them. Have a conversation. Acknowledge and engage with your patient. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't take a lot of time to show respect to your patients. And trust me, they will notice it if you don't. Exactly. There's no surefire way to make sure that you never get sued. But what will protect you if it does happen is your documentation. Let's take some time and talk about two of the things that should be a part of every single patient chart. The first thing is using patient words in your HPI. Use phrases like patient reports or patient states, and then write down what they actually said. It's that simple. If a patient tells you, I've had chest pain for three days and it hurts when I cough, that is exactly what you write in the chart. Right. This is not complicated, you guys. What did the patient say? And then write that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's So straightforward. And then the second crucial element is your assessment and plan. So make sure that you document that the patient was involved in the medical decision-making process, that the plan was explained to the patient, and that they verbalized understanding. They said, yes, I understand. Yes. And then whether or not they agree with the plan, sometimes they don't agree with the plan. And if that happens, just make sure to document that too. For instance, you could say, explain to the patient that there's no indication for antibiotics at this time. The patient disagrees, but will follow up in two days for reevaluation. So just because the patient disagrees with your plan doesn't mean that you just dismiss them and leave them out on their own. You're still responsible to make sure that they have appropriate follow-up. And in urgent care, a lot of times we send patients to the ER, and if they choose to not go to the ER or not go to the ambulance, we have them fill an AMA form. Everything mm-hmm. is documented, saying patient refuses and all the risks and benefits were explained to patient, including death. Mm-hmm. That's a really important thing to write, you exactly. know, that, hey, you, I told you everything that can happen to you. And if you refuse, that's fine. But you signed this paperwork documenting that you understood what was said to you. Yeah. In my situation, I had a patient's daughter who called and complained to me or complained about me to our hospital board. And she was upset because her father had been in our emergency room a few weeks prior with anemia. And it wasn't massively significant anemia. He didn't need a blood transfusion. But then he ended up falling two weeks later and he broke his hip. Nothing ended up coming from it because I had documented in my note that we had specifically discussed admission, but the daughter decided that she didn't want to admit her dad to our hospital because it was too far away from her house. And Mm -hmm. so she wanted to take him home and follow up with his doctor closer to her house. So she was still upset that he fell, but that doesn't make it my fault that that happened. And you just have to make sure that you document these discussions that you have with the patient and with their caregivers to protect yourself. And remember, patients are allowed to be angry. They're allowed to be unreasonable. And a lot of times they can be really petty. But you just have to make sure that you document what you discussed and that the patient understood no matter what they agreed to or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People always get nervous about what they put in their medical records. And honestly, it's not rocket science. Write what the patient said write what you saw, and then write about what you talked about with that patient. Don't get nervous thinking your note doesn't sound fancy enough or not official enough. The purpose of the note is to document what you did for your own references and for the reference of the next provider. As long as your documentation makes sense and it's legible, it will be just fine. 
The bottom line is you can't stop someone from suing you, but you can decrease the likelihood of it happening. And that if it does happen, your documentation will hold up. Um, have you been sued, Sammy? No, I have not actually. But I've talked to several people in our class that have been sued and it has all been really traumatizing for them. Yeah. What about you, Erin? Have you been sued? Oh my goodness, you guys. Okay. So <laughs> I love when you start. Oh my goodness. Oh my Always goodness. A good story. <laughs> okay. So I did not know this when I first started working at the prison, but inmates are a pretty litigious bunch and they have a lot of complaints about their living conditions, the food, the clothes, their showers, even the temperature of the water in their showers. And then <laughs> they complain about their medications, their diagnoses, and their treatments. And they also have a lot of time on their hands. So there is a small population within my prison, especially, that spends a lot of their time suing the Department of Corrections and trying to get monetary settlements. That means I have worked there for five years, and I have been named as a defendant in, I think, seven or eight lawsuits at this point. No, are you kidding? And it's getting really old. Yes. <laughs> yes. I had no idea, Erin. Oh, I didn't my know gosh. Seven or eight times. Yeah, seven or eight lawsuits at this wow. point. And when I was named in my first lawsuit, I was so upset. I was so angry. I was like, I just felt betrayed. I worked so hard for you. Like, why would you do this to me? And then I realized it's just almost like an occupation for them. They're just trying to get some money so that when they get out of prison, they have something in the bank to, to yeah. fall back on. And so now it's really just same old, same old. Another Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. But I've also had a couple complaints made against me with the medical board. And those make me even angrier because at that point, there's really nothing for them to gain monetarily. They're just trying to get me in trouble. But literally nothing has ever come from that. I just do my best. I document, I have confidence in my plan, and do my best not to practice out of fear. Yes. Have you ever had a medical board complaint? I have, actually, and it's still pending. I got one last year. Actually, the person wasn't trying to get me in trouble. They actually wanted money out of it. Mm. So she wanted a refund for, <laughs> yeah, for me sending her to the hospital, to the ER, because her son had really bad abdominal pain. So she actually wanted compensation. But I'm more annoyed than anything because there is nothing, nothing of it, you know? Yeah. It was just so disruptive, but it's so scary to get that letter in the mail. Yeah. Thinking that you might have gotten a complaint or getting sued. It's just. Or that you hurt somebody or. Correct. I mean, it just, your heart kind of stops for a second and you get like, that, yeah. and you're like, ah, you start to feel panicky. And then mm -hmm. you take a breath, you calm down, you just move on. Yeah, and actually, I reviewed my case with my supervising, and he said, there's nothing you did wrong, everything was documented well, mm -hmm. and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. They processed through a lawyer, and the lawyer's like, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Like, you documented really well, and this person is just trying to seek some compensation. Yeah. But it's still, it's a process. It's going to go on for maybe a year or two, mm -hmm. and you're just waiting for them to figure out what they want to do with you. Yeah. But remember, you are not alone during this process. You usually will be assigned a lawyer. If there is a lawsuit, if you get sued... You'll get a lawyer from the malpractice insurance company mm -hmm. and they will walk you through it and make sure that everything is explained to you along the way. It can be super traumatizing, but it really does not need to be a reason to leave medicine. Getting sued happens more than it should, yes. but it does happen. It's really common and it doesn't mean you're a bad provider and it certainly doesn't mean that you should quit. Agreed. I just read this. 
78% of providers will get sued over the course of their life. And the highest specialty is OBGYN and the lowest being pediatrics and psychiatry. And women are actually less likely to get sued compared to men. And you're more likely to get sued after the first 10 years of practice rather than just starting out as a new grad. Right. That's because- Makes sense. Yeah. That's because most new providers are more cautious and paranoid. And then you get comfortable (laughs) and wham, lawsuit. (laughs) But remember, most lawsuits are dismissed or withdrawn. Some will get settled out of court, but only about 7% actually go to trial. So even though it's super scary to think about, you have to get used to the idea that you may get sued. And, you know, despite your best effort, it might just happen. Right. That wraps up lawsuits. And we really hope that this helps you all to practice with less fear and more confidence. Yes. And actually, this wraps up our final episode of the season. Already? Round of applause. Yes. Bravo. Bravo us. We Yay. navigated this podcast. We figured out how to use mics. We did a lot, you guys. This is a big learning curve for me and Erin. So, so big. Shout out for us. And we are actually moving on to YouTube. And we're going to be doing these videos based on all the amazing responses we got from the survey. So we're going to tailor this whole mini series to you guys. Mm-hmm. So check us out on YouTube, your PM mentor, subscribe and watch out for all the fun things we have going on there. The plan right now is actually do one episode a week, but don't fear you guys, we will be back with more episodes in the future for the podcast. That's right. We're not saying goodbye to the podcast forever. We are going to start diving into some other projects we've been working on. We're really excited about them, and we will definitely be sharing more about them in the future. Yes, it's really exciting. I wish I could talk about it. I really want to spill the beans, Erin. I really do. No. Soon. Soon, my friends. Patience. Yes. (laughs) Until then, please sign up on our Facebook page if you haven't done so. It's your PA mentor from PA student to PAC. We're going to be having a ton of interesting conversations for other new grads and soon-to-be new grads. That's right. And we're also going to be reaching out and working directly with a few of you on a one-to-one basis to try oh, and see. You said it. You said it. Well, no, it's a hint. It's just okay, a hint. Okay. I haven't okay. given it all away. But we're going to see what we can try to do for more of you at an individual level. So, yes, so stay tuned for that. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. Yes. That's right. I am so excited. We have so much coming in the next few weeks. But mm-hmm. again, you can always find me on Instagram, your PM mentor, same thing on TikTok and YouTube. And we are signing off on podcasts for the next maybe a few weeks. Or months. Months, yeah, Sammy. maybe. Or yeah. year, whatever. No, not that long. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Okay, yeah. good. Yes. All right. Well, all right. thank you so much, you guys. Yes, it's been a great season. We appreciate you all. We will talk to you and see you again soon. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.